Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. We are jumping into the third week of our psalm series, and I love it. I love these psalms. The psalms are great. They have so much to teach us. Today, we're going to look at Psalm 40. I love Psalm 40 because it is such a real psalm. And what I mean by that is I think that Psalm 40 is a bit backwards. In fact, you read the first three verses of Psalm 40, which is what we're, we're primarily going to focus on today. You read the first three verses of Psalm 40, it's almost like you get the answer to a prayer that was already prayed. And then, as you keep reading through the psalm, it just keeps getting a little bit worse <laughs> and worse until you get to the very end, the very last verse of Psalm 40, it's verse 17. You're just like, wait a minute, David, he wrote, the, David's the author of the psalm, he, David, do you remember the first three verses of what you just wrote? And what I love about it is that's real life, isn't it? That sometimes we experience all that God has for us, we're feeling good about things, and then in the next moment, it's tough. And we're back into a situation where we need to remember God's provision for us. So we're going to look at that today, Psalm 40. One of the best uh, benefits of reading the Psalms is that they present us with patterns uh, that if we follow can help us face some of the most difficult circumstances of our life and move us closer to God. And the thing I love about these patterns is that they work no matter your stage of life, whether you're young or you're old, whether you're just starting out in a career, whether you're retired, and it doesn't matter. These patterns will work. They work both today and they'll work years from now, and they'll work 10 years from now or 20 years from now, decades, hundreds of years from now. The truth of Scripture and the truth of the Psalms will last. We know that. We know that they've worked in the past. We see it all over in Scripture. Uh, and today we're going to look at the patterns that we see in Psalm chapter 40. And it's going to be really great. It's a good psalm. So, like I said, we're going to focus on the first three verses of Psalm 40. So I'm going to read those for you as well. Feel free to open your Bibles or your phone or uh, you can follow along on screen as well. Psalm 40, 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord uh, to help me. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. That's a great way to start the psalm, right? There's so much encouragement from that, which is really, really important. So we're going to look at a few of the patterns that these first three verses tell us and uh, see what the Lord can speak to us. And one of the things that I want to make sure is even that we know that even though these first three verses seem really hopeful and positive, the picture that David paints is anything but positive. And I think that's really important to understand as we read the first part of this psalm. It's clear from the very first part of Psalm 40 that David is in a pit, right? We see, we, he kind of even mentions it right there. But have you ever faced a circumstance in your life where you felt like you're in a pit, metaphorically or otherwise? <laughs> Sometimes what's important for the next step of our personal and spiritual, even maybe even emotional growth is to recognize and acknowledge I'm in a tough spot. I'm dealing with something really hard right now and I need to recognize that. 
Look at what David says in verse two. He said, he lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. So what is this pit experience like? Uh, how, what are we supposed to feel with David when he writes this kind of thing? Uh, what are we supposed to feel when he writes about being caught in despair? And what, what does it feel like walking in the mud and the mire? And this is one of the things I love about the Psalms is because they tried to paint a picture for us that take us deeper into the story. We don't actually know what Dave, the, the situation that David might have been referring to in Psalm chapter 40. Uh, but he does this great job of using these very visual images to help us understand how he feels. So the first word that he uses is this word despair. This word literally means destruction. Uh, it means that there's been so much damage done that it cannot be repaired or that it no longer exists. Yikes. <laughs> that's, a, that's how David's describing his situation. He feels like he's in the situation of complete and utter destruction. This word is often used to describe the crash, the uproar, or the devastation that's caused by a hurricane, uh, a hurricane type of a storm. It's not pleasant, it's powerful, and it's very, very destructive. That's just the first word that he uses to describe his situation. Can you relate? Have you had a time in your life where you can relate to this? Uh, then he combines that fun word with the image of a pit, right? Uh, and when you consider the usual meaning of a pit, something like a deep well or cistern, the image you get is striking. It's as if David is saying, I've fallen into a deep, dark hole, and I'm plunged into, the roaring, uh, into a roaring and devastating hurricane-like storm. You kinda, are you kind of getting the image of what David's trying to paint? Whoa, I kind of feel for him. I don't know if, if you, I kind of this is intense, but he goes on. Uh, alongside the picture of this pit and this devastating destructive storm, he uses the words or the image of the mud and the mire. He said, it gets worse for me in this experience. Don't forget, again, these images are, are used to paint a picture and draw us into these experiences. There's one other time that David wrote about a similar experience where he too combined the images of mud and flood. And we find it in Psalm 69 verses 1 and 2. And he wrote this. Save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I am in deep water and the floods overwhelm me. Uh, it helped me to read another passage of scripture to get a better understanding of this image of mud and mire. And it comes... Uh, I was reading about what King Zedekiah, sorry, fumbling over my words, what King Zedekiah did to Jeremiah when he wanted to get rid of him. We find this in Jeremiah 38, verse 6, and it says, So the officials took Jeremiah from his cell and lowered him by ropes into an empty cistern in the prison yard. It belonged to Malkijah, a member of the royal family. There was no water in the cistern, but there was a thick layer of mud at the bottom, and Jeremiah Jeremiah sank down into it. That's not fun, right? So perhaps we are to imagine, what we're supposed to imagine here is falling into a well, sinking deep in the sludge, uh, at the bottom going deeper every tri time we try to lift a foot and move forward. And then all of a sudden there's this roaring water and storm that's coming from somewhere and it rushes all around us in the dark. 
Yikes, <laughs> what a setting, right? But what's amazing is David is painting this picture. He's bringing us into this. Uh, and the, part of the question that we have to ask is, have, have we ever been there? Have we ever been in a situation like that? Maybe you're in a situation like that now. Maybe you, you know of someone who's facing a dark and depressing, difficult space. Being down in the pits is anything that can cause us to get a sense of helpless desperation that threatens to ruin or take away our life. That is this pit. The other thing we need to recognize, and I think we all know this, that pits are inevitable in life, right? And it can really throw off your relationship and your rhythm with the Lord and even with other people. I love how the scripture gets so real. And we can relate. Understanding these things, we can relate uh, very specifically with what is going on in the lives of the authors of the people of scripture. And yet, what we're about to experience is something so incredible. And I think it's really important to understand the depth of despair that David's experiencing because what he's about to share with us becomes even more powerful and encouraging and freeing. What we're going to do is we're going to look at a few steps that David takes or that has, he's taken or that the Lord has led him through to get out of this pit of despair. So are you ready for those? The first one is... This psalm tells us that we need to cry out to the Lord. It's the first thing. Look at what uh, uh, verse 1 says. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned and he heard my cry. There's something so encouraging to know that when we cry out, the Lord's going to hear our cry. But we also know, because we're people, that even getting to the point where we can cry out is difficult, isn't it? It can be difficult with our relationship with God, and it can certainly be difficult in our relationship with other people. Whether that's in sadness or pain or desperation, whatever it might be, but we, need, we know that crying out is difficult. Asking for help is difficult, but we also need to be clear about something, that it is okay to ask for help. It is okay to cry out to God and to ask for help from other people as well. It isn't a sign of weakness or giving up. In fact, there are many times when David, who's seen as a mighty warrior and the king of Israel, right, where he cried for help, not only to God, but to other people. And he was pretty intense about it too. Look at Psalm 6, verse 6. He writes, I'm worn out from sobbing. All night I flooded my bed with weeping. And drenching it with my tears. What about this one? Psalm 56. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. One of the first things that we need to know if we're going through a difficult time or when we go through a difficult time is that we need to give ourselves permission to cry out to God and to ask others for help. It's, It's... Uh, emotionally, spiritually, uh, relationally, really healthy to do that. And sometimes it's necessary that we do that. And that can be difficult because we have to be willing to say, I need help. You know, we try to be, uh, we try to teach this to our kids. If you've ever been a parent or grandparent, you kind of know how this feels or know what this is like, or if you've ever had kids in any capacity, uh, We want our kids to know that it's okay not to have it all together, 
right? That they can come and ask us for help no matter what. They don't have to have it all put together and then get the situation fixed before they come and talk to us about it. We want them to come to us in their moment of need, right? God loves it when we do the same thing. We don't have to have it all together. It's okay to have a bad day and to call out to God. God created us with a broad range of emotions and it's okay to feel all of them, especially when you're struggling or hurt or something has happened to you or some injustice has happened to you. But the thing we need to know is to be able, we need to know it's okay to call out to God. For some reason, as we grow and become adults, we think on some level, we've got to, we can't cry out anymore. We've got to have it all together. That's just not true. God loves when his people, when his daughters and sons cry out to him. So cry out, God, I feel like I'm drowning here. I need your help. So seek help, call out to God, seek help from others. We don't do this life alone, right? And it's really important to have people in a network, a relational network that can hold you up and help you along and who are all focused and centered on the way of God. So another step that we see, and this next one is super hard for me. After we cry out to the Lord, we have to wait for the Lord. We have to wait. This is what the psalm says. Back to verse one. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and it turned, and, and he turned to me and he heard my cry. I think, I look at this, waited patiently. Who waits patiently, right? That's so hard. It's like impossible to wait patiently, especially if you're someone like me. I tend to, I have this achieving part of my personality. I always want to be doing something or accomplishing something. And so waiting is hard. I don't like that. I feel like I'm wasting time or not doing what I should. Uh, it's really tough. But I'd say in general, a lot of us don't like waiting. We live in an instant gratification type of a world, don't we? Especially when we're living close to Seattle. If we order from something from Amazon and it's not here in an hour, I'm going to get upset. All right? <laughs> right? That's just kind of how we live now. But David makes it clear that if you find yourself in a pit, you've got to cry out to the Lord and then sometimes you have to wait. But the word here is not just a simple waiting, and I love it. It's, it means to wait intently with great expectation that God's going to take some action. Isn't that cool? So it's an active waiting. My achiever feels a lot better about that, right? <laughs> so the, uh, in, in English, that this word patiently, it often means for us, actually the way we intend it is to wait without being annoyed, which is, I think, just impossible. Have you ever been able to wait without being at least slightly annoyed? If you uh, say yes, you probably need to confess to the Lord. <laughs> but the Hebrew word here is kava, which means to wait for or to look eagerly for. It, all, it means to wait and expect God to take action. And the implication is that he will. That's what this word means. So more literally translated, it means I waited intently for the Lord to take action. Oh, isn't that incredible? I love that kind of waiting. It can still be difficult, but that's much better than trying to wait without getting annoyed, just not knowing if the Lord's going to do anything. The reason that this is so important for us to hear is, and hear this, it guards us from unbelief 
when God's help seems like it's a long time coming or when he feels very far away. Does it make sense? It anchors us in faith to know, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know where you are. (laughs) But it moves us from, oh, you're not there to I'm waiting expectantly for you to do something. You see the difference? It's really important. So this kind of waiting that David practiced is like a hungry lion, eagerly lying in wait for his food. And it's important for us to, we know all of this, but it's really important that we recognize we don't get to make deadlines for God, right? We think we might know what's best, but sometimes we we don't have the big picture uh, for our lives. God is infinitely more wise and in control and sovereign. And so as we wait, we trust he knows what's best for us. It's, it's, it grounds us and increases our faith. Psalm 42, one through two, we know these words. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. Where, when can I stand, bef- go and stand before him? This is so key. When you are feeling desperate, cry out to the Lord and then have faith, expectantly waiting that God will take action. It's waiting with an intense hope and trust in God. Look at Psalm 39, 7, which says, And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My hope is only in you. Isn't this great? I I hope this is encouraging and stretching for you. That's the whole point of diving into the scripture is, God, how can we change to become more and more like you? And this one stretches me. But one of the best things about as we wait, what happens is God comes through. That's the promise. That's the implication here. And when God comes through, the next thing that we get to do is experience God's rescue, which is incredible. Look at what he says in verse 2. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. So early on, we just talked about it. David uses these images of sinking in the mire, in the mud, in the, in the miry clay. Uh, and maybe that feels like, we might imagine that like quicksand. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen the new Star Wars movies, like a plane, the plane crashes in the desert and the thing just sinks, just disappears. That's kind of what it, sometimes that experience can feel like. But think about the difference between stepping into something like knee-high mud or quickstand and then the difference of being set on solid ground. We were watching, we uh, have pizza movie night every Friday with our kids and they love it and it's really fun. I don't remember which week this was, but a couple of weeks ago we watched this movie where uh, there was a family in a van and the teenage daughter was learning how to drive and so she's driving and it's not going well and they finally get to where they're supposed to go. The door, the sliding door opens and the younger sister bursts out of the van and says, land, and gets down and starts kissing the ground. (laughs) That's what's being on solid ground can feel like, right? It can be joyous. Um, and in that case, like really life-saving. Uh, but think about the difference of what that might feel like. So I love that not only does he set us on solid ground, but what is next? Not, he sets us on solid ground and the promise is to steady us as we take those next steps. Oh, we've been talking for a couple of weeks about the, what feels like in these Psalms that God just piles on his goodness and his great and his, you know, all the the blessings. This is like one of those where not only does he take us from all of this horrible experience of devastation and destruction, 
But he moves us to what feels like solid ground, and then he steadies us in the steps that we take after that. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Right? This is such an important aspect. This is, this is the turnaround here uh, in these first three verses. So not only, does he study, uh, not only does he set us on solid ground, but he steadies us as we walk. Uh, we see here in verse two that God takes action and moves us from the experience of sinking to solid ground. Those are just really different and incredible experiences. When we trust and hope in God, when God takes action on our behalf, he moves us from a sense of maybe desperation to a sense of security. God is an expert at reframing, redeeming, and renewing, amen? We don't know what David is going through at this point in, in this psalm, but we do know that God came to his rescue and the security that he felt was like God putting him on a rock or a firm place to stand. And that's an incredible promise. So even in the circumstances that you're facing right now, that's not to say that when God comes to the rescue that your problems are immediately gonna go away. What it means is that in the midst of what you're going through, when you experience the presence of God, he will move you from a sense of desperation and out of control to a greater sense of security and peace just by his very presence. Incredible. And he walks with us in the next steps that we have to take. So, are you facing a situation or do you have circumstances in your life where you are feeling desperate? This, if you're online, this might be a great opportunity if you feel comfortable to share some of those situations. Here's what I'm going through or here's a way maybe even that God is, has placed me on solid ground to share with each other. Where are you needing God's intervention in your life? Cry out to God, wait patiently, hope expectantly that he's gonna take action and maybe even this morning, God will begin to move you to a sense, with a, in a sense of his nearness and presence to a place that feels more solid and steady. So this moves us to the next step. Once he does that, it says that he's going to, we get to sing a new song. We get to sing a new song and I love this. The, the book of Psalms is a worship book and so we see it all the time. We see it in almost every psalm. Uh, especially with David. David is a worshiper. And so when he's experiencing this incredible progression of freedom from the Lord, one of the things that is just clear, it happens all the time, is he's like, I'm going to sing a song, right? It's like I've been talking about how I turn up the office music each week. It's, this is David turning up the office music, right? Uh, he says in verse 3, he has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. I love it. Again, it's like God's showing off here. Not only does it feel like he's piling on all of his goodness, but then he gives us songs of victory. That, we, that was in the psalm last week as well, but he gives us a new song to sing out of the great things that he's done. When God rescues, he renews our sense of deep and abiding joy. He renews our sense of gratitude, and we can give thanks for all that he has done and will do, right? This is, this is another bit of, he gives us the perspective that we need to see what he has done. Opens our eyes and our heart, and I'm so thankful for that. Praise the Lord. God cares about you. He cares about the situations that you're going through, and he wants your faith to soar. Sometimes that's the experience that we have in the midst of worship. Just this soaring of, 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 of our connection with the Lord, and that's what he wants. So it's a normal thing that when you experience this victory to sing out, to shout for joy. Again, we see that all over the Psalms. 
we, we do that for sports teams, right? I, I was just, I was saying to the first service, yesterday was the first, C, uh, first Seahawk preseason game, which I watched almost all of it, even though it was mostly the rookies and the people who were going to get cut, right? But it's so fun. I was like, woo, it's, it's football. And if, you know, if I get that excited about football and those kinds of sports things, how much more excited do I get when the Lord has provided for me, brought me through a season of difficult things, and gives me a brand new song? It should, the, the excitement and joy I have for watching your favorite sports team should pale in comparison so as a people of God and as a church, we should be experiencing that joy, the, the new song that God gives us for what he's done and what he's going to do. The last thing that we see from these first three verses is that when all of that happens, when we're singing this new song, God has brought us through, others are going to see what's going on and they're going to be saved. And I love this. Look at the last half of verse three. It says this, uh, he has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed, and they will put their trust in the Lord. Isn't that exciting? I love this. It means that not only is God active in our life, but it means that we are active uh, as carriers of the message of God in our world. God does these things to renew us and give us joy, give us new song, and then we get the opportunity to be a witness to what God has done. It's tremendous that whenever God gives us deliverance from the pit, puts a new song in our mouth, his aim is not only for our benefit, benefit, but for all of those around us. Let us never see ourselves as the stopping place of God's grace and mercies. Amen? But we should be, God aims for us to, to sing others into the kingdom as his goodness and mercies flow through us to other people. Hopefully, what they see is a person who, contrary to human nature or even our culture, is humble in distress, who hasn't lost hope in the difficult realities of life, and who trusted in God and when they were delivered, gave God the glory. They see something real, genuine authentic, something that rings true to human experience. You're going through that, and yet that's your experience? You've come out at the other end with joy and a sense of freedom and, and a steadiness, and you feel like you're walking on solid ground? What an incredible witness to show to those around us. The example of the rescued saints, that's you and me, and all those who claim the name of Jesus, is a tremendous means of witness in this world. Which means that the way, your life and the way that you live out your faith means so much and will hopefully usher someone around you into the kingdom of God because they can see what God has done in your life. Woo, that's exciting, isn't it? I wanna, I wanna do that and I, we wanna do that as a church. So will you join me in like letting that be the reality of who we are? It's incredible. Worship team, would you come on back up? As this is all exciting and all very helpful, but I want to again remind you of how this psalm ends. God gives us this progression and gives us this incredible de deliverance. And then you get further on in the psalm and you're like, wait a minute, David. Do you remember what we just talked about? We just went all through these incredible things. And now by the end of it, you're like, I'm in trouble again. 
I love the reality of the Psalms. It's almost as if you have to understand the rest of the Psalm in the context of those first three verses and be continually reminded of the way that God does things because sometimes it is just difficult from day to day, right? That's true for all of our experiences, but I think one of the things that we can be incredibly encouraged about is that the way this, this uh, psalm starts, the reality of life that it shows us, and that God is trustworthy God no matter what you're facing. Let's pray. We're going to sing a song, and then we're going to pray again. Would you stand? God, we just uh, thank you uh, for this psalm. We thank you for the way that you, uh, you bring life, and you renew, and you restore. Help us in the midst of those really difficult moments. Help us, God, when we feel like we're in this pit and a devastating storm surrounds us. We thank you that you can be trusted. So God, even right now, we just take a couple of moments to bow our hearts, open our hearts to you, open our hands to you, open our minds to you. Just begin to be real honest about what we're going through. God, I'm struggling here. I'm having a hard time. I don't know what to do in this situation. But let's here in this moment begin just to call out to God. Wait expectant that God's going to take action. Experience the movement from this sinking to the solid ground where he orders our steps. Begin to experience this new song and that the glory of God in all of that process is not just for us but for those around us. And so we just come for these moments here. God, just honest, open to you. Holy Spirit, just move amongst us as we spend these last few moments in worship and prayer. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Let's sing these last, this last song together.